0: From the NFL. If you're Dak Prescott, individual numbers aren't enough anymore. You want to get paid? Win something.
1: To the NBA.
0: Who gives a about the Pelicans if Zion don't play? Across
1: the landscape of college football.
0: There's no such thing as a good loss in the ACC. So if you're Clemson, you better win every game.
1: And so much more. Let's talk some sports, baby. The stories you want.
0: Baseball is back. Basketball is almost back and football is on the way. You love to see it.
1: The opinions you need.
0: Sports is what this country needs, and I truly, truly believe that. How at your boy.
1: It's Jay Wise.
0: It's the drink, it's the beard, and it's the wisdom. I hope you brought pen and paper because class is in session.
1: And Nathan Drinkard.
0: Remember, make tomorrow better than today,
1: and make today better than yesterday. And you know what we're going to do. We're gonna holler at you until next
0: time, baby.
1: This is a drink of wisdom.
0: Welcome to a drink of wisdom. Thank the drinker. I'm Jay Wise. Thanks for spending some of your time with us. As a reminder to all the listeners, we're on Anchor, one Apple Podcasts, we're on Spotify. If you're looking for us in the video format, you can find us at the a Drink of Wisdom YouTube channel. Check us out on all those locations. Drink as always, great to have you along. Hey man, and great to
1: be here, man. Feeling fabulous. How are everything with you? great man it's great can't wait to get it going here all right well let's get it going we running a little behind so you know what it is um another day another dollar we're gonna give the streets what they need we see what they don't oh and we know you know we're gonna say what they want set your plates it's time to eat and last but not least let's talk some sports baby
0: let's roll jay all right this is episode two of season three where we'll preview the rest of week one of the nfl The Big 12 extends some invites and we look ahead to the weekend in college football. But you know what we're starting NFL Open at night last night where the defending champion Super Bowl, the Super Bowl champion, defending Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers defeat the Dallas Cowboys 31-29. Tom Brady completed a 24-yard pass to Chris Godwin to set up the game-winning kick from Ryan Suckup. And the Bucs off to a good 1-0 start. Tom Brady threw for 379 yards and four touchdowns. Big games for Antonio Brown, Chris Godwin, and Rob Gronkowski. Uh, Dak Prescott he looked good in his uh, first action since what week five of last season. He threw for just over four hundred yards and three touchdowns. Uh, big games receiving for Amari Cooper and C. D. Lamb. Drink. Let's uh let's start with this question and go ahead. Feel free to move wherever from here. Was that a push off by Chris Godwin on that uh? I will call it the the catch that up the game winning field goal.
1: Yes, it was. I, I thought it was offensive pass interference. Uh, but, hey, it ain't a penalty if it don't get caught. Like, listen, um, I, I understand Dallas frustrations. Um, this wasn't the Super Bowl, but, hey, you know what I'm saying, you get them how you get them. Um, and, you know, you, you wake up this morning, you got a lot of Cowboys fans, they got to call that, they got to call that. Well, listen, every team say they got to call something. <laughs> you know, as egregious as it is, Saints fans are still complaining about calls not getting called. So, you know, it, it, it's part of the game. Missed calls are part of the game, just like injuries are part of the game, you know, just like, you know, turnovers are part of the game, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but to answer that question, yes, I, I did think that was an offense passing figure. Now, um, to everything else last night, listen, um, I would be uh, disrespectful if I didn't, you know, give, give the Cowboys some flowers. Listen, I, I thought this game was going to be a young snub show. I thought you could go ahead and put them in the flat line, six feet deep, in the grave. We got a plot ready for them. Like, I, I honestly, I thought the Cowboys were going to be done. I, was, I came away pretty impressed with a number of things, um, just like you. It was some things that was bad. Uh, well, some things that wasn't so good. But I thought Dak Prescott was a positive. I thought Ezekiel Elliott was a negative. Um, I thought the tackles for the Cowboys was a positive. I thought the rest of the line could have been, you know, somewhat of a negative. I thought C.D. Lamb sometimes was a positive. Other times I thought he was a negative. Um, Amari Cooper was definitely a positive. And shall I say? I don't know about you, Jay, but when I looked at Amari Cooper last night, I didn't think he was running these routes with, you know, precision and crisp and speed. But clearly he was doing enough to get himself open where Dak was able to find him. But I wasn't, like, looking at Amari Cooper like, man, he, man, he's looking crispy out there. Those routes are just top notch. I don't I know, say, maybe it was I just me. Say,
0: yeah, I want to say his second route, that, that was his second touchdown catch, it was i guess it was a corner route but it wasn't sharp at all it was just like oh i'm just gonna run over here and i'm better than you and oh touchdown you know like yeah i I didn't i think i think i'm with you on that
1: yeah so i I, it kind of caught me by surprise why he was so open but we we know other things transpired um another thing you brought up I, i i must say um, on the defensive side of the ball, you know, the defense did look better. But uh, like you said, we noticed that um, the rookie, uh, Michael Parson, shall I say, seemed to be the leader of the defense in his rookie year. Uh, he had the green dot. Everybody know the green dot is the it, it's the sig- sim- symbol that this player is the player that talks, you know, to the, the, the coach, the defense coordinator in the booth. Um, I thought that was – Quite odd, being that it's a couple of other linebackers that have been doing this for a little while, and that's the guy that's calling signals. Take that for what it's worth, I guess. Um, But then I'm I'm looking at some of these other guys, that defensive line, um, the the Randy Gregorys, um, the, you know, uh, listen, DeMarcus Lawrence, listen, I know DeMarcus Lawrence forced the fumble. Gregory recovered it. For, for what it's worth, you know, Gregory, I, I think they're getting their money's worth with you because I don't quite know what, what's going on with you. You play one year, you don't play. You go. I mean, now, now marijuana is somewhat legal in the NFL, so I guess they say, go ahead and get them in here. Um, But Demarcus Lawrence, what? I mean, kudos to Dak and, and, and Elliot. I mean, not Elliot. Kudos to Dak and Cooper. They was the only two dudes that got paid that still was playing like hey we're glad you paid us because i don't know what in the world was going on with zeke i'm, I'm not overly impressed with lawrence um but like i said i did get the flowers to the the tackles i thought tyron smith and Lyle collins i thought that duo was doing pretty well against the defending super bowl champs um and then over to the you know over to the bucks right quick look here's the deal Young Goat Brady, forty-three years old. Um, he was still out there dropping them young dimes, but you 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 could tell that the age is slowly but surely catching up with him. Listen, I heard Chris Collinsworth and you know Al Michaels day in that thing. Oh man, it, you, dare I say that forty-three year old Tom Brady is just as good as twenty-four year old Tom Brady? Hey Chris, I like your commentating. But you need to knock it off, man. I don't know what... <laughs> what what are you doing? Like, some of this stuff you're saying is just taking it over. Like, I don't give a... On yeah. uh, um, what world is a 43-year-old Tom Brady better than a 24-year-old Tom Brady? Like, you can do so much more when you're 24. So much more. You can take so many more hits. You can make so many more riskier plays that could result in a win. Like, I don't... Listen, I know... A couple of, uh, you know, centipedes that can move in the pocket better than Tom Brady right now. Don't give him that uh, 43 say like I I, I didn't like that. I didn't particularly like that. But, for what it's worth, Tom Brady did his thing. He came out to win the quarterback. Leonard Fournette. Can I get a Leonard Fournette sighting? Um, Nine carries, 32 yards. This dude was taking fourth overall. And was supposed to be the best thing coming out of the state of Louisiana what what we're doing okay whatever um turn turn back those clocks for my boy uh antonio brown you seen him now five catches for 121 yards hey this is what you get when you ain't acting a fool out of antonio brown when he actually focused on playing football he showed that he's still one of the better receivers in today's game i thought he was phenomenal kudos to him i just like hearing something other than tom foolery out of antonio brown so i was happy with that chris godwin we seen what he did um you know evans was pretty disappointing. and i'm not gonna jump on it on that too bad but that that's that's not it evans uh they over here talking about see you had seven straight thousand yard seasons well he's getting off to a rocket start in this one let's 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 do a little more evans um grump you you've seen it he I seen a dime in the first quarter. Oh my God. That that dime I was like, what well, I don't know if 24-year-old Tom Brady could have made that, but let me tell you, that thing was pretty. Um, you know, he tipped it off, he dropped it over to Gronk over like two defenders. It was a thing of beauty. I really enjoyed watching that. Um, and we know the defense, um, what what they brought to the table. But in a nutshell, one one thing I wanted to say, you know, about the game itself was, you know, and, and like I said, I, I heard this um through the grapevine. I really wish the Bucks wouldn't have blitz Prescott so much and really made him throw the ball and really made him pinpoint the ball and made him play against more of coverage. Either let him run where he can risk getting hit or make him throw against coverage. I think the Bucks could have had more success if they had played that way. The blitzing thing just didn't work. I mean, that Prescott is a pretty tall quarterback. So when they blitzed, and when he had confidence that his, his line can hold up, he picked them apart. That's just what it was. Um, he he kind of had his, his, his day. And I, I don't want to jump on the Zeke point too much because I know you, you got some stuff you want to say about the Zeke Elliott, but they have to use him more. And, and another thing is this. If, first of all, the books played a very, very sloppy game. We do know this, right? Like, yeah, they won. I got it. But they had four turnovers. Four turnovers. The Cowboys had one. Now, if you would have asked me before the game, which team going to turn over the ball more, I would have said the Cowboys. But dare I, I say I would have been wrong? Very, very wrong. Let's talk, let's talk about time possession for a little bit. The Bucks had it for 25 minutes and 33 seconds, whereas the Cowboys had it for 34 minutes and 27 seconds. So the Cowboys won the time possession. So let's let's get this right. The Cowboys won the turnover battle and the time possession battle. Hold up, bring that back. You ain't saying about the penalties. Oh, let's go look at the penalties. So Bucks 11 penalties for 106. Cowboys 8 penalties for 55. If I told you those three stats. You would kind of, you most likely would you or would you not assume, Jay, that the Cowboys won this game?
0: Yes, yes.
1: Um, so I said the reason I bring all that up and I jump into it is because, listen, people want to tell me, oh, Tom Brady, let me tell you something, he done fell off, Dak played the game of a lifetime. If you switch roles, I don't think the Cowboys win. I don't think the Cowboys still win the game with four turnovers. No. I, I don't think the Cowboys win the game with over 100 yards in penalties. I don't think the Cowboys win the game. If the Bucs had almost 35 minutes of ball control and and you switch that. So, listen, it's an odd game stat-wise. Yep. I, th- I do think the better team won. But at the end of the day, like, let's not get too crazy. Week one, they shook off the rust. We got a fantastic game, by the way, fantastic. Um, NBC got, got them one there. Um, better than I thought it was going to be. But at the end of the day, I think there's just some of the context I wanted to throw out there that if you switch the stats for each team, I can't necessarily say the Cowboys win this game, you know. Um, so kudos to the Bucks for being able to still win this
0: game while being extra, extra sloppy. Back to your original question. That was probably probably a push off. I wouldn't have called it though. I didn't. I didn't think there was quite enough on that one. I mean, you brought up some of the things the Saints are probably upset about. The the the, <laughs> the, the one where, Nicole Roby Coleman just like assaults Tommy Lee Lewis before the ball gets there. That was like the worst miss call of all time. What the least that I've seen. Right. Uh, I, I just didn't. I didn't think there was enough there. I didn't. I mean, you see, God would extend a little bit. If that's a penalty. They're going to be a lot of penalties called this year. And I'm just, I'd rather not like, so I thought it was a great throw on the back shoulder. Godwin extends a little bit. I don't know, like defensive back, like, I don't know, tough enough, get stronger. I, I'm going to say, um, I think if you, if you wake up this morning in your, in your both teams, you, you, you should feel pretty good. Um, But if from Dallas's perspective, you open up the season on the road against defending champs, Obviously, a lot of you know a lot of excitement in that stadium. You got the fans back in there, Um, so a lot of juice coming through that stadium. You are also Dak Prescott, his first game since last um, week five of last season. So you got that. You got that. um, You're dealing with your Ezekiel Elliott called him their best offensive player. Zach Martin not playing due to COVID. So, I mean, from Dallas's perspective, for you to have a chance to win late in the game, um, and it took a, you know, a Tom Brady drive to get him down there. I mean, I think, I think you feel good about that. Um, They mentioned, they mentioned on the broadcast quite a few times that Dallas isn't going to play another playoff team from last season until week 11. So you got, you're going to have a lot of winnable games coming up. Uh, We know the division is just not impressive. I mean the football team might be worth something, but I don't expect much from the Giants and the uh, the Eagles are gonna be really I think they'll be really bad this year. So I mean they they put the Cowboys play in the worst division. Um, so, you know, and I think if if that's if that's the, the product, I mean that that I think that product is good enough to win the division. Um and on Tampa Bay side, you get the win, obviously. We feel good about that. But um, you know, they they shot themselves in the, foot, in the foot a lot. You had, I mean, DeMarcus Lawrence makes a great play uh, fairly early in the game. Uh, the old peanut punch on Ronald Jones. Um, so you, you have that, but you had Tom Brady throwing interception. Trayvon Diggs got him. The Hail Mary, I mean, I'm not worried about it. I'm not really counting that one. But then, you know, late in the, in the fourth quarter with, I believe it was 28-26 Tampa Bay, Chris Godwin fumbles the ball down near the goal line. Tampa Bay was on the way to scoring. It would have made a nine-point game. So I mean things could have been a lot a lot different. But yeah, when you look at turnovers, you look at penalties, Tampa Bay was much more sloppy. So to me, the takeaway, and this isn't necessarily this isn't anything that's surprising, Tampa Bay is a clearly a superior team to Dallas. The game just looks close because Tampa Bay was way more sloppy than Dallas was. Statistically, you talk about it being an odd statistical game. The reason if you look at the if you you know, do a quick uh, statistical analysis. Dallas lost this game because they didn't execute situationally, particularly in the red zone. And Greg Zerline couldn't figure out how to kick. They I mean, missed an extra <laughs> point, And then he misses uh, what a 31 yarder. So, I mean, he ended up making, I mean, I think it was what it ended up being three for four on field goals on the night, but um you know, uh, two short misses that, that, I mean, they hurt you. So I think from a statistical standpoint, that's why Dallas loses. But Tampa Bay, you know, if Tampa Bay plays with any type of, you know, discipline. I mean, Dallas got five first downs. Their offense got five first downs via Dallas uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, defensive players committing penalties. Um, and we also have to remember, no Jermaine Whitehead, one of their starting safeties. Then you have Mike Edwards cramping up. He was gone for a bit. And then the, the big one, uh, Sean Murphy bunting, you know, dislocates his elbow. And that means, Ross Cockrell's got to enter the equation, and that's just something we uh, like to avoid. So um, I think both, te- both teams should feel pretty good about, you know, how things turned out. I think so, one, one real positive for Tampa, for the, the league should be uh, greatly concerned. Um, this whole year two thing of Antonio Brown and Rob Gronkowski, yeah, that's, that's a problem. You combine these two guys, they, and they look like throwbacks. And they look like they about five years younger. Um, And then you combine that with Chris Godwin looked great last night, Mike Evans, not so much, but that's look, those are four guys right there that can make it happen and can stack up against anything else anybody else can, uh, can offer. So if that's the, and remember last year, it was Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, A.B. and Gronk were the clear three and four. And last night it was a little bit reversed. A.B. and Gronk looked like the one and two. I think i think the rest of the league should be concerned about that for mm. dallas there's a lot of positives for dallas but i'm gonna tell you this whole thing where and i'm and we you know we talked about this before the show maybe this is because the cowboys coaching staff said we're not gonna be able to run the ball i mean you got vita vea Dominick and dominican sue we're not gonna be able to move them so we're just gonna Take the position that look, our outside guys talk about C. D. Lamb, Michael Gallup, Amari Cooper. They're better than your what you can do in the secondary. So we're just gonna play this game outside the numbers. If that's the plan, okay. But I hope it isn't something that we see the entire season because Dak Prescott throwing the ball fifty eight times a game. That might I mean you might win a division with that because the division is so bad, but you won't go very far. To me. My initial takeaway, and I don't want to uh, just let this be the you know the the final verdict on this, but they must not think Ezekiel is very good. When you give the guy who the only back in football paid more money than Zeke is Christian McCaffrey, and ever since he signed that contract, they haven't used him like he's a top five back. That when 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 Zeke signed the contract. That's when Kellen Moore became office coordinator and it's just been the air parade ever since. I really, I really believe and this. This goes to the defense too, which is appears to be a little bit better for this team to maximize what they can do. They're gonna have to go back to running the football first and Zeke carrying the ball 11 times. It's just not enough. And in some ways it's almost, I mean, it should be somewhat offensive to zeke what is the point of paying this guy all this money if you're not going to use him and i got it and obviously he can do other things i thought he i thought he did a really good job um in pass protection picking up some of these bucks uh linebackers who like to blitz uh like Devin white but if that's the highlight reel you have from zeke coming at this game that's a problem and i think look i think moving forward i really hope that's just that's just a one-time thing but you gotta be more balanced because you're even though you if that's your position that we're completely superior to what Tampa Bay has on the outside, you're still letting the defense off the hook. Todd Bowles over there is like, well, they ain't gonna run the ball tonight. I guess we'll just blitz and play, do whatever we want to do. We don't have to worry about the run tonight, guys. They're not gonna do it. I think that's a problem. Part of the the, the big a major advantage for offenses is the ability to run and pass and to keep defenses off balance. Dallas played a great game last night offensively in a lot of respect. And they did, that Prescott was, I thought he played a great game for the most part. But you're letting defenses off the hook. I don't think, that's not a sustainable strategy moving forward.
1: All right, so moving on to the NFL. I hope you're ready for some football! Mm -hmm. Yeah! You know, week one, we got the preview. We got the heavy hitters coming out. Um, Last night, we just had the um, opening night, defending champs versus America's team. And it happens to be a good game. And um, if you missed the first segment, that's just what we talked about. So um, moving on um, to to some of the the other games of note, um, you know, we got a few, quite a few, I should say. Um, We got the Eagles versus the Falcons. That might be uh, the fight for the um, NFC bottom. Uh, we got the Steelers versus the the Bills. Um let's see if the Steelers are for real. Um let's see if the Bills can break it back. Um then you know Seattle and the and, and the Colts, you know. We 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 want to see what how that's going to go down. I'm I'm curious to see if it's going to be the foot or the lack of offensive line in that one. Um and then you know what I think to be the prime time game of this this uh, Sunday, um, the Cleveland Browns versus the Kansas City Chiefs. You know what time it is, Baker Mayfield. You better make it happen, or you won't be getting that contract extension. Um, then we got the the battle of the Alabama um, finest, as they call it. You know, Tom Tavaloa down in Miami, Matt Jones with New England Patriots. So you know, Nick might Nick Saban probably be uh, tuning in at with just to see. Yeah, maybe he, he had a quarterback or two during the time. Um, and then, you know, we got – it's considered a home game, but we got the game going down in Jacksonville, and I think that is where I'm going to stop at. Um, we, we got what we could consider a neutral site game, Green Bay Packers, defending um, MVP versus, you know, um, the New Orleans Saints. Jameis Winston has taken control of the rings. So we start there Jake what's your thoughts about that and and some of the other action on Sunday
0: really a lot of um, there's a couple of games that stand out above the rest of the field I think um, I think the headliner of the the Sunday and even in the Monday the headliner is Cleveland and Kansas City Kansas City obviously the uh, the favorites um, in the AFC maybe overall. Cleveland we we know what they did last year they finally got together they put some of this talent together really really solid team all the way around um it's a, you know it's uh it should be a good measuring stick for Cleveland because that's the team you got to figure that you'll ultimately have to go through everybody's going for Kansas City um can Baker Mayfield you know go to toe with Patrick Mahomes probably not um, which means you're going to have, you're going to need Nick Chubb to be big. You're going to need Kareem Hunt. Can we get an Odell Beckham sighting please? That'd be lovely. Right. Austin Hooper, we got, you got paid a lot of money. Are you going to do something for us? Uh, we, but we know, um, look, Baker Mayfield, he's got a great supporting cast, really good offensive line. You know, you talk about Jedrick Wills, uh, Jack Conklin. I mean, and then, you know, they're not too shabby in the middle of that offensive line either. I mean, that's why Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, they can, uh, you know, enjoy a lot of success, even though they also gr- are really good, talented individual players. And of course, <clears throat> you know, defensively, Miles Garrett can get after you. That's where it all starts. So I think um, there's a lot to like about Cleveland and definitely with the, the, the recent rash of bad luck Baltimore's had. Um, Cleveland, Cleveland probably looking like probably the team to beat at this p- particular moment in time. But it's going to be interesting to see how they stack up against kansas city we saw uh, we talked about mahomes in his final preseason game he was sharp i tell you what so if that's the patrick mahomes we're going to see it might be a tough day and remember how cleveland likes to play cleveland likes to run the football get a lead and then bring the bring the heat on opposing quarterbacks um so they gotta they gotta come out ready keep the game close i don't think it's a situation where you can afford to fall behind because, like I said, I'm not. I don't see Baker Mayfield going toe to toe with Patrick Mahomes. Um, yeah. the, the other two games, I think that are the one up being the best matchups. I'm looking at Green Bay and New Orleans. New Orleans, of course, playing this game, uh, the home game, but they'll be in Florida for that one. Big test right at the game, uh, right at the gate for Jameis Winston. Um, can can he go to toe to toe with Aaron Rodgers? And more importantly, can he limit the mistakes? That's the biggest, that's the biggest thing. We know he's got talent, we know he can sling it. Um, He's, you know, he's going to have a good complement of weapons. Alvin Kamara, one of the best backs in football. He can do it all. And I think New Orleans has a very good defense, but he's just got to limit the mistakes. I think it starts in this game. Also a pretty good, really good offensive line. Uh, In Green Bay, look, Aaron Rodgers, you know, is it one last dance, him and Devontae Adams? and company, Aaron Jones, just getting off the, the contract. A L- lot of things like packing the Packers and Saints been two of the best uh, best teams out there in the NFC for, for several years now. So that, that should be a good one. The other one, the third one, that's probably the best. I'm looking at, look, Pittsburgh and Buffalo. Pittsburgh, you know, you talk about a team being on this last leg. This is very likely Big Ben's last um, last uh, last ride. Um, and then Josh Allen, you know, one of the guys, another one of those teams. Next, next up to uh, Kansas City, they got a chance to go at him in the AFC championship game. Not quite ready yet. But Josh Allen, one of those guys, like, you know, in the, the fringes of the MVP conversation last year, he's been, uh, he's been on the come up. <clears throat> you know, so this is going to be a test because Pittsburgh, you know, has one of the best defenses in football. Um, so how, how does Josh Allen look? You know, what, what about uh, Stefan Diggs, Cole Beasley? Can we get Emmanuel Sanders involved? A lot of weapons out there for him. So, uh, But then, you know, there's some sneaky ones down there. Like, I'm looking at Jets-Panthers, the Sam Darnold game. Uh, I think this is a game that's very important for Carolina and more important for Sam Darnold than anybody else in that game. Um, the Panthers, they should be favored in that game. I mean, the Jets, it, just, they're not very good. You know, they got some you – know, they, they <laughs> Wait, 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 good. wait, wait.
1: You don't you don't believe in Zach Wilson or what? You don't believe in Robert Solis?
0: I don't believe and- in – I mean, th- those guys. Might it actually... just who? Oh no! Oh, it... Okay, you're losing me now. Those first <laughs> two names might actually be worth believing in, but the problem is everything else in the equation. Um, so, I think it, I think it would be a big psychological blow to Sam Dawn for him to lose that game at home to the team that traded him away. So we, you can't be seeing no ghosts in that one, Sam. He he's got to come out here and he's got to play well. They got to take care of business. The other one that was sneaky, uh, I, I really like. You got some good interconference battles with the AFC South and NFC West getting together, Seattle and Indianapolis. Maybe the hardest game of the week to pick, in my estimation. And then Arizona and uh, Tennessee. And then uh, the other one, you, the, you mentioned the, the battle of the Alabama quarterbacks with uh, Miami and New England. B- big game for Miami, big game for Brian Flores. I think Miami. I think they're positioned right now to be a little bit better than New England right now. Brian Flores, can he come out and make an opening week statement? Like you talk about the, the Bill Belichick coaching tree, Brian Flores looking better than like, you know, any other of them we've seen, you know? Right. So uh, there, there are some clunkers though, I, mean, that, I swear, there's two that just, uh, they're killers. Philadelphia and uh, Atlanta, yeah, ground those, ground those birds. Don't, I don't wanna see them, the feathers are just not there and Jacksonville and Houston. Dear God, I, <laughs> I swear, uh, Jacksonville, that's an opportunity for Trevor Lawrence though to come out there and sling it. I mean, I think he might have an advantage over Tyrod Taylor. Last but not least, and I'll get out of here. Uh, I gotta go to the Giants hosting Denver. Uh, Vic Fangio, you might wanna win that one. We, we can't stop, we can't, we gotta stop losing all the September games. Denver is superior, superior talent Talented football team and the Giants, uh, they better they better win that one, and they better win it big.
1: So, uh, let's, so this is what I found funny, right? So you got Jacksonville playing the Texans, right? Just to see who can get it right and who 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 can get it wrong, right? And the most excited Jacksonville fans will be at their stadium to watch Green Bay and New Orleans. I, I just want people to understand that their fans are gonna be more excited to see Green Bay. And, and the Saints come rolling in the town and playing their game now while they on the road at Houston, um, dare I say, with the low views. Um, here's the deal, though. Um, a, a couple of other games that we, we, we didn't really hit on that I talk about a little bit. You know, the NBC game of the week, look at the Chicago Bears at the um, Los Angeles Rams. There's a lot of unknowns going into that. Um, you got um, Andy Dalton. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna say Justin Fields. Uh, you got Justin Fields in the Bears, you know, going in, and um, you know, going against what well, well, you know on paper was the number one defense last year. Um, Jalen Ramsey, um, Aaron Donald, um, and, and a slew of others coming in of brain the pain. You know what time it is. Um, and then you know, I, I'm curious to see. Hey, Justin Fields. Well, listen, no one gets ripped by Andy Dalton. If you say you do, you can go ahead and listen. Go go take the Johnson and Johnson COVID shot. Don't don't come come to me telling me you give a rip about no Andy Dalton. I don't care about Andy Dalton. This this game is about Justin Fields. You you think I'm not telling the truth? We got a rapid that will prove that this game is more about Justin Fields than it is Andy Dalton right and in the rams you know we we want to see what matthew staff are talking about we want to see if he's going to really be the answer to get them you know back to that super bowl you know since they've been there in a while oh you you just caught what i was saying earlier
0: i did i had (laughs) oh yeah i remember okay i did throw that in there yep
1: (laughs) so you know i say just a little bit you know a little rise and dazzle and then on monday night um you, you know we're used to uh, seeing two Monday night games. It seems like this season we only get one. Ravens and Raiders. It's, you know, I, I'm interested in seeing the, the first game in the Las Vegas Stadium and you know hoopla and blah blah blah. Then you got the Ravens coming in town. And hell, I just want to see who's going to line up at running back for the Ravens because um when you when you're out here dropping like flies like it, your whole I've never seen a whole position group take an L. Like the whole position group. Like it's just, hey, running backs coach, don't even worry about getting on the plane because we don't need you because we ain't got no running backs anyway. We're going to put a couple of Taysom Hills back here um, and and we're going to hope that could work out for us. I've never, yo. They
0: have Lamar Jackson though.
1: Uh-huh. they do got Lamar Jackson for those that say he is a running back and not a quarterback <laughs> they do have him so I guess that works for you just put him in it's like it's like a hybrid sometimes I want electricity then other times I just want gas they don't so call him, you, know, so they you don't, just don't yeah, know they don't
0: call him a running back for fear that he'll go down too yeah, hey
1: you're right about that and then that running back coach hey come see me you know, you getting cut like an episode of Hard Notch hey, if you see the paper in your locker you're out of here Running back's coach, you're out of here. Um, but um, I, thought, I thought those games were just interesting just because, you know, they're going to sneak up on people. Another game I think going to sneak up is, is the Chargers and the football team. Here's the deal. We don't we ain't fascinated with the football team's offense, but we definitely is with their defense. Listen, their defense is the real deal. And, and for the last couple of seasons, we've been talking about the Chargers could just get back healthy on the defense side of the ball. We think their defense is legitimate. They can play. And listen, can Justin Herbert make something happen? Like, listen, he got his weapons. So we want to see if the Chargers can bail off the hype um, against the um, old football team. But I do uh, – a game we didn't talk about that I thought you was going to hit on, Arizona Cardinals versus the Tennessee Titans. Listen, um, this game got, got a lot of intrigue for the Cardinals here um, because we know what Derrick Henry do. We know what Julio going, what we think Julio going to do. We gonna, we know what Ryan Tannehill is not going to do. We know what AJ Brown is going to do. And then you, you, you roll over to Arizona. We have seen the moves Arizona did make. And for me, it, it comes down to Arizona defense. Can Arizona defense stop the two things we think they're going to do? If not, Arizona is going to be a long one. Cliffy gonna get the bags packed. So, <laughs> um. You know, and and, and then um, last but not least, uh, I, I want to talk about a little bit of the 49ers and the Lions. Here's the deal. We got Caps versus Garoppolo. Um, Jimmy old Jimmy G, Mr. Um, I, I want to hold a spot down, you know, until they uh, give me some trade value. Um, and then we got old Jared Goff. Do you know? I, I, I just want this to be clear. The reason Jared Goff got traded was because Jimmy Garoppolo. I'm telling you. Let me tell you why. Because... This is what Sean McVay thought. Sean McVay was like, listen, Jared Goff ain't it. This dude ain't taking me over the hump. Jimmy Garoppolo, if I had to bet my last last $2 on Jimmy Garoppolo versus Jared Goff, I might have to go Jimmy Garoppolo. Then, what do the 49ers do? Hey, Jimmy Garoppolo ain't it. Let's go ahead and get that young kid, Trey Lance. What do Sean McVay do? Shoot. Hey, now we got to trade this. Hey, go get Matthew Stafford." Trey, it's the chess game within a division mm-hmm. is so, so unique. And I think people have to look at that. And it's so beautiful to see these young offensive coaches go back and forth like that. And, when, you know, I'm talking about Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan. Like, they're going tit for tat. But you got the old man Pete Carroll here refuse to get an offensive line for his quarterback while you got the young guns down here going back and forth trying to figure it out right? So I, I, I thought that was unique. So for me, those are a couple of my nuggets for the Sunday slash Monday action. You know, let's see how it go down. And I can't wait to talk about it on Tuesday when we, when we go to review of week one. All right. Now, you know what time it is. It's time for the big boy time. And we're going down to college football. Oh yeah. And you know, it's only our favorite conference this year, the big 12. All right. Um, they handed out the official awards um, for the expansion. Um, So with the first pick of the 2021 Big 12 expansion, uh, the Big 12 selects BYU out of the Independent Conference. Yes, they don't have Zach Wilson, but we are gonna figure it out anyway. With the second pick, the Big 12 Conference pick, the Cincinnati Bearcats. Ooh. Cincinnati, yeah, Lou Fickle and the, and the boys, come on down. You've been a top 10 French team for the last two years. We're going to need it. Hey, and Lou Fickle, if you think about leaving the conference for another team, you got another thing. Got it. All right. With the third pick, we're going to take – no, they didn't win the championship. Don't worry about it. With the third pick, we're going to take uh, UCF. Uh, Universal of Central Florida, and um, yes, we are still suspicious about that national championship banner that they got hanging up in their stadium. And <laughs> being that they had the the you know the confidence to pull that, even though they know they didn't win the championship, we need them in our conference. And last but not least, um, now this last selection is a team that it gave a couple of teams in the Big Twelve, you know, a, a few long nights. You know and they only down the street no I'm not talking about SMU I'm talking about the Houston Cougars Um, so with that said we want to formally congratulate those four teams for getting invited to the big boys come on down or somewhat of the big boys but we're bigger than your boys so we'll just add you on there so there we go folks Um, now we went from eight back to twelve. Um, listen, yes, I know Texas and Oklahoma is still there, but for all intents and purposes, you know what that is? That's like, that's like getting an advance payment at work, right? Oh yeah, I got paid early, but you gotta pay it back, right? That's Texas and Oklahoma. Yeah, they still here, but eventually that that's gonna leave, and you know you're gonna be with what you with. Now, um, with that said, uh, I you know I had to throw that out there, so jay my question to you now that we got the the formal invitations gone we know the four teams that's supposed to come in does this change your mind about the big 12 future as being you know remaining one of the power five conferences does this give you if you was a big 12 fan does this give you you know a little more confidence about your conference than you had when you first heard texas and oklahoma was leaving the conference
0: Forget that. I don't want to talk about that opening that you gave. Out. What a what an opening! What Have mercy. That's what we can. We get. Um, we gotta like call the NFL directly and be like, Yo, we got a dude that can like run the draft and like run the draft picks. Like, like that whole that whole stick where Roger comes out there and like gets booed every pick. Like, we don't have to do that anymore. We got a dude that can hype it up for you. Something to consider. Uh, but you know the Big, big Twelve. Look, i think i think this is enough I, th- I like what they do this is something we kind of you know we suspected uh, that we would see i think this makes them you know keeps them relevant in the the power five discussion i actually you know i was just looking through uh what the pac-12 has and what the big 12 will have um they're comparable i think the uh pac-12 has the best team best program in oregon that's the biggest thing I think the Big 12 is missing. When you remove Oklahoma, oh, not Texas, because Texas ain't done nothing recently. Oklahoma's the team that slides on in to the fourth spot of the college football playoff repeatedly. Mm-hmm. That's what the Big 12 will miss the most, I think, from a competitive standpoint. Uh, but if you look at, I guess, the totality of everything, Big 12 has have some solid depth. You know assuming that you know these teams assuming that uh particularly cincinnati so if cincinnati can like maintain what they do um you know that's going to be that's going to be something to reckon with you know uh because i think that's a real program the, the 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 ap voters obviously think a lot of them if you got them in the preseason top 10 um that's sa- that says a lot so you know i think they i think their depth will be really nice it's just automatically better you feel a lot better having 12 teams as opposed to eight and if you look at their depth and i'm you know we're, we're pretty much keeping we've, this has been a football discussion we'll keep it there they only got one joke team in the conference and that's kansas kansas stings and they got they got some programs that are kind of down trying you no know, texas tech what have they done lately west virginia's kind of meh you know haven't seen tcu do much lately but um you know they're still somewhat respectable. Kansas is the only joke program. The Pac-12, uh, can I interest you in Washington State and Oregon State? Um, they stink and they've stunk for quite a while now. Even though Washington State they did a few things with Mike Leach, but you, you get what I'm saying. They're not, uh, they're nothing to, they're nothing impressive. Oh, by the way, speaking of Washington, uh, Washington lost to Yellowstone National Park last week or something or another. It's 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 just yeah, hate terrible to see has i mean, what is Arizona doing with Kevin Sumlin? I don't think they're doing much. Colorado—that's just a random team out there. Like they had what a couple years ago, they did something, that it was in the Pac-12 title game maybe, and but it's just—it's just not much. When is Stanford gonna win, win, do anything ever again? Like, remember when David Shaw like replaced Harbaugh, and it was like, oh, David Shaw—he's doing stuff. They ain't done much lately. Like they—nothing they to write home about. California Golden Bears, yeah, I don't know. I mean, they got, I mean, you got you you got Southern Cal, you got Oregon, Utah with Whittingham, you know, they've been kind of good. Herm Edwards got Arizona State doing some things. It looked like UCLA might do something now, but you know, I think after you get past Oregon and Southern Cal, these are two comparable conferences, and I actually think the new Big 12 might have some better depth. It does depend on how you know Central Florida and Houston. Um, I put probably those two teams, how they transitioned the mo- well, the most, but I think, look, Central Florida got a dude named Gus Malzahn, who I'm sure has a lot to prove. And he's probably really excited about this because I thought he was a really, really good coach at Auburn. Um, it, it's tough being in the iron bowl every year and going up against Nick Saban and being in that side of the sec. Um, and he look he, he, he was able to get him a couple of times, you know, so but- That's true. I got a question for you.
1: Off of what you just said about Gus Malzahn. So, which coach is the happiest, right? Lou Fickle or Gus Malzahn? Because you remember Lou Fickle, you know, hung around Ohio State for a while. Then Cincinnati been this team that's been, like, top ten for the last two years. And the only reason they haven't been getting that that, that extra push is because they're not in a Power 5 conference. Now he probably get that chance within the next two years just like you said about Gus Malzahn. So, an argument could be made. Which, which coach you think is the happiest about this move? I think, getting, I think it's to still tour. Gus
0: Malzahn, because Gus Malzahn okay. just got, you know, probably the, the biggest demotion you could ever have, going from the SEC, <laughs> playing Nick every, you know, every season, beating him a couple times in the iron Bowl, made a national championship game uh, back in 2013, which is the final year of the BCS, came up a little short right. in that one. Um, he gets kicked out of here to, to Central Florida. And lo and behold, first year at Central Florida, hey, we're moving up, guys. We're heading to the Big 12. So, I mean, I, I got to think, even though, you know, I think there's an argument to be made for Luke Fickle, um, I'd still go with Gus Malzahn because he goes from up top to way down, and now he's back somewhere in the middle. But he's probably feeling a lot better about this, you know, Big 12, AAC to the Big 12, That's a that's a step up. I still think that the a, the, it's, a, it's a little unfortunate that the, the American Athletic Conference is holding a big L right now. You know, they losing a lot of firepower. Um, and then remember the AAC is kind of, they was, you know, a lot, a lot of people may think it's kind of a joke, but I mean, they'd they be looking comparable with some, obviously not the Big Ten or the uh, SEC, but I mean, they come up with some quality depth. I mean, and they, you know, you put them in some of these bowl games, They stack up, you know, maybe there's a lack of motivation in some of these games where we see Central Florida have success or some of these things, but, you know, that's all over now, you know, they, they, the AAC got gutted, some sort of alliance merger type thing would have been definitely been beneficial for the AAC, uh, but that's not the route they're gonna be able to go, I guess, so, but I do do think this does help the Big 12. Um, It keeps them relevant. They do need, uh, they are going to need these teams to, you know, step up and be something. And the biggest thing for the Big 12 is they need a team that can lead the conference in football. Um, I'm unsure if they have one right now. I mean, it's hard to imagine another team in that conference replacing what Oklahoma can be for now. I think we'll get a, maybe, maybe Iowa State will show me something on uh, on tomorrow. But um, it's just one of those things when you look at them, you're like, man, I don't, I don't see a team that can do what Oklahoma does. But... It keeps them relevant in the Power 5. In the power five. And I think, I think there's a discussion there between the Pac-12 and the Big 12 of who's weaker.
1: Yes, I do agree. Um, I think I'll, off the bat, you'll say Pac-12 is stronger. But I think as time go on, like you said, I, I think it'll start um, revealing itself and, and we'll be like, hey, hey, the Big 12 ain't, you know what I'm saying? These new teams – because, listen – how I look at it is, right now, if, if Cincinnati, Houston, UCF, and BYU was to join next year, I can make an argument with, with Texas and Oklahoma out the way. Let's say Texas and Oklahoma were still in the way. None of those teams are the brand that Texas is, but, you know, I think Cincinnati and UCF will get Texas out of here. I, I think you give me a good neutral field game. I'm willing to, you know, I know, you know, Steve Sarkeesian got some things going. But if you give me the Tom Herman, Texas, or the uh, Charlie Strong, Texas, yeah, I think Cincinnati, yeah, UCF can get them out of here. But my my thing is this. Even right now, now so the us say you take Texas and Oklahoma out of the mix. Right now, Cincinnati has the argument of being the second best team in the Big 12. Um, I I mean – I mean, you, I, I would assume you would put Oklahoma, you would say Iowa State is probably the the best team, maybe Oklahoma State. But, you know, I'll put Cincinnati probably right now. I'm, I'm not overly impressed with Oklahoma State. I'll probably put Cincinnati number two. I'll put Iowa State and I'll put Cincinnati number two. And you want to put Oklahoma State three? I'll put UCL four. that that'd probably be my top four. I got it, TCU, TCU, T, what about TCU? T-C-U, T-C-U. You're right. What about TCU? Like, honestly, what, what what about the frog horns? Give me something. Oh, my bad. horn frogs. I'm sorry. So, give me something. Like, Gary Patterson, I got it. He, he legit. But TCU ain't knocking people's socks off either. When the last time they really did anything spectacular. UCF done more than them in the last, like, five to seven years. So, like, people sit here and they knock on this AAC thing. Like... Oh, Big 12 got these big old stadiums, all their revenue. But, like, listen, if we talking about on-the-field productivity, like, these some killers you got coming in. If you talking about on-the-field, like, I I done seen UCF in more um, New Year's Six Bowls than most of them Big 12 teams outside of Oklahoma and Texas. Like, let's keep it real. Texas Tech, what New Year's Six Bowl you seen them in? Kansas, what do you What bowl? What what bowl you seen Kansas in? You're right. You know what I'm saying? So some of these teams that people wa- waving around at Iowa State. Yeah, they was in the New Year's Six Bowl last year. Where was that the year before though? Like, so let's not get ahead of ourselves that Big 12. Like, y'all so much better. These you got some guys coming in that can actually stick their chest out a little bit and say, hey, we done some things, you know what I'm saying? Cincinnati was all in the mix for a playoff spot last year. Guess what other team in the Big 12 was in the mix? Oklahoma. Nobody else. Because I'm going to tell you, that whole Iowa State hype, what did we say? We said, oh, yeah, Iowa State beat Oklahoma, but we still don't think they better than Oklahoma. They just beat them. And then what happened? Oklahoma came back. Yeah, about that last game. Oh, yeah. We're going to go ahead and take care of this. So... With that said, I, I really don't like how Big 12 fans and and representatives think that's so much better, because it's just not true. Once again, like I always say, if you were so much better, Texas and Oklahoma wouldn't be leaving. Now, the argument that you got with the Pac-12 is, and I think that's legit, because I think those are the two conferences that going to be fighting it out for that final spot, right? Because you would think the SEC is penciled in, the Big 10 is penciled in, and then You got the Clemson used to be penciled in. Now we just we don't quite know what's going on with the ACC right now. But you you would think two spots out of the four penciled in that the bar none. If I don't see no game no more games for the rest of the season, we're gonna get somebody from the Big Ten. We're gonna get somebody from the SEC. Then now you got the other two fights. I mean the other two spots getting fought between the Pac-12, the Big 12, and the ACC for all intents, i'm gonna just put the acc to the side i if it ain't clemson i would love to see who comes out dare i say virginia tech but i'm gonna put them to the side um <laughs> but you you will fight for that one spot uh, between <laughs> between the big 12 and the factory i'm sorry man i ain't trying to take a jab at you i'm just saying virginia tech looked pretty good against north carolina but either way you will fight that out and i'm with you you got Oklahoma. That's i mean not Oklahoma. Oregon. That's a pretty clear cut number one in the Pac-12. um We, you know, I know Utah is not sexy, but Utah's out there. USC, they're out there, right? And then when you get to the the Big Twelve, like you said, Iowa State. That's your clear cut number one. I don't know if that gets. that I, I, I'm gonna be honest. I don't think that moves the needle. Not when you out here struggling with Northern Iowa. Oh. And then we're gonna see what you got against actual Iowa. Like, I don't know if that moves the needle. You know, you know what I mean. So, I'm with you on that. I think it is an argument to put which conference is stronger, Pac-12, Big 12. And I think one of these days we're gonna sit down, we're gonna chop it up and make a video about it. I think that's a good segment for the future. But as of right now, you know, stick to the Big 12. Hey, listen, you back to 12. I think it's a good move. I think old Bob Bosley um, you know you kept your job for a couple more years. Cause you probably was out of there if you didn't get something done. Um, but I think he did a good job. And, and listen, for what it's worth, he did say that they might not be finished. They might bring in two more teams and make it 14. So we'll see how they go.
0: Just and just as an example, cause like you talk about TCU and like, oh, TCU, TCU. And just an example, cause like, you know, get a lot of seems like we get a lot of big 12 fans up on the page just, you know, like to chirp. Don't Mm -hmm. disrespect TCU. Can I just say, like, TCU over the past three seasons in conference is 12 and 15. It's not good, guys. It's not good. That's kind of why, like, we are not all that concerned about TCU right now. And I get it. Gary Patterson is a great coach. And they had, what, three out of four years where they won 11 games. But the last three years haven't been N- nothing to write home about seven is overall seven and six, five and seven, six, and four kind of, kind of average. So that's kind of what we're getting at. And they're not the only ones you can go through, right. you know, West Virginia hasn't been great lately. We know about Texas tech, Kansas state. I mean, it's just kind of med programs, you know, which is why Texas, Oklahoma leaving, especially Oklahoma, because they Oklahoma does the Clemson for the big 12. They carry the conference. You lose that got a little bit of a problem because I know me and you are both a little skeptical on Iowa State and of course Oklahoma State. It seems Absolutely. like every time you expect something from them, they don't get it done. So that's where we're getting at, folks. All right, on the, we'll stay in college football and we'll look ahead to uh, some of tomorrow's action. Last week had all types of big matchups, uh, including Georgia and Clemson. Turned out to be a little bit of a dud on the scoreboard, but still a well-played defensive battle. And obviously, big college football playoff implications. Plenty of other big matchups as well last week. But uh, this one offers another headliner. Fox has a big, uh, a big, big noon battle tomorrow. Um, the best non conference battle of the week this week. You got the Oregon Ducks from the Pac 12 um, hitting the Columbus to take on the Ohio State University. Uh, both teams off to one of those starts. Ohio State beat uh, Minnesota last Thursday night. Oregon, they. I'm, I can't remember who they played late week. I guess it wasn't much, anything memorable. But they'll be an action in action, the, and also the other big one will be another uh, interconference game. The I guess it's I don't know what they call it, but maybe it's the battle for Iowa with the uh, the Hawkeyes uh, playing the Cyclones. Kirk Ferentz and Matt Campbell getting together. Can Iowa State cement themselves as the team to beat in the Big 12? Um, And can they carry the water for the conference like Oklahoma's been doing for them? Or will Iowa build on the success they had last week where they just stomped all over Indiana, who, I mean, I thought we had some expectations for them, but never mind, which is six points. Those are the headlining battles of the week. Drink, feel free to go wherever you want after those two games, or do what you do. Oh, you ain't got to tell me
1: twice, baby. Here's the deal. So... Going into our Iowa, Iowa State. First of all, no, Iowa State can't carry the water like Oklahoma. You got to be built a certain way. And I think Matt Campbell only going to be there so long. Matter of fact, this is the one thing I think people got to realize. This whole expansion thing, Matt Campbell might not like this. I wouldn't be surprised if he's up out of there. Remember that, that Big 12 fans. Rah, 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 rah. You're getting smoked by
0: Iowa this weekend. What was? Smoked. What was Iowa State before Matt Campbell? They were a joke too, I believe. Yes,
1: they was the equivalent of Kansas. Like I don't remember nothing they was doing before Matt Campbell.
0: I don't think they're I know. Like, let's be I, real. I think it took like years for me, for me to even learn that they were the Cyclones.
1: Right. Yeah. We, we, hey, where well, the rest of college football are about to blow right past you, that Cyclones. <laughs> when when Matt Campbell is gone, so is your identity. You're out of here, folks. You that that blurred out guy in the documentaries that don't want anybody to know his identity? Oh, uh, I was there. Uh, they, blur, they blur his voice. Yeah, like, uh, and it was it was really scary. It was really scary. Like that's that's Iowa State with Matt Campbell leave. But to your question, I was gonna smoke them. They're gonna beat them by twenty plus points. Here's the deal. Um, First of all, the Big Ten to me is a more superior conference than the the Big 12. Let's just call it what it is. Secondly, Kurt Ferris is actually throwing the ball this year, folks. He might just be more than a bar of soap this year. It might just be that he's actually got a squad you know, down that hour, and let, let me tell you something. I'm here for it, cause I've been waiting on this, cause he been doing the bare minimum since I even knew who he was, and he keep getting contract after contract after contract, first rounder after first rounder after first rounder, after first rounder. and now he finally got a team where I can say. This team's gonna have first, first rounders, and they're gonna look like a team with first rounders. And Kurt is gonna finally get some flowers this year. Not saying he's gonna beat Oklahoma, but I am saying he'll beat Iowa State. Here's the I mean not Oklahoma. Not saying he won't be uh he he will be Iowa State, but he will be um Iowa State. So anyway, Oregon, Ohio State. This is a very interesting game. I don't I don't even know how exactly to look at this because before the the Thibodeau injury, I was like, "Yo, Oregon gonna give them some problems." I, I I hear that Kayvon Thibodeau might still play, but even if he plays, he won't be the best player on the field no more because I don't I don't think he, he's not gonna come out there 100. You don't just get a high ankle sprain or whatever and then come out the next week in today's college football and be be the stud. Now before he got hurt. I I thought he would have been the best player on the field. That dude is going to be the number two overall pick, number one overall pick, something like that. This kid is the real deal, folks. But with him hurt, I don't know. Now, the question remains now, usually when when, when, when Ohio State plays teams, it's like, all right, your, your first 11 probably can match our first 11, But can your next 11 match our next 11? And that's usually how teams like Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia, um, Clemson usually, um, you know, Oklahoma, that's how teams like that end up wearing teams down because your roster 1 through 22 might match their roster, but number 23 through 128 probably ain't going to match. And that's how they're going to wear you down. That is the, the advantage Ohio State usually have over their opponents. With Oregon is a tad bit different. Oregon is one of the few teams that I think talent-wise they can play with Ohio State. The problem is that last week game did some damage to Oregon that I'm not quite sure they will be able to bounce back fast enough to, to really like keep themselves in the game. I I, I kind of equate this to being something similar to what Ohio State dealt with last year. They come out here, they make some mistakes. They don't be looking as crisp because Oregon does have a way better defense than Minnesota. Let's go ahead and get that right now. They they gonna play some guys on Oregon defense now. That's, that, hey, <laughs> this ain't. I couldn't name one decent dude on the on the Minnesota defense. To be honest with you. Oregon is going to be a few guys. And like I said, if Kayvon Thibodeau was not hurt, he would be the best player on the field for both teams when he played. That's how good he is, but he won't be. So now I'm just curious to see, can Ohio State do the same thing that they was doing against Minnesota? Is this wide receiver court just as good as a, as people advertise? Can they break away from other like elite cornerbacks or you know, defensive players in general, and be wide open like they was against Minnesota. I'm curious to see that. Vegas got it 14 points by Ohio State, which tells, which tells me like they're like, hey, dude, we hear what you're saying, but this game in the fourth quarter is going to get blown open. And I, I kind of agree with that when you're talking about the depth. So, with that said, uh, yeah, I'm taking, I'm gonna take Ohio State but I don't think it's going to be 14 points. I'm taking Ohio state by like seven. Um, I, I do think they do enough to win the game, but I think Oregon going to open some eyes up and say, Hey man, show us some respect over here in the pac 12. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm going to take, um, yeah, I would take, cause Ohio state, let's, let's keep it a buck too. They defense ain't talking about nothing past that defensive line. Those linebackers ain't listen. That ain't it. Those corners ain't showed me nothing either. That secondary ain't showed me nothing. So yeah, I'm gonna take this uh, 42-35 Ohio State. And then some of the – Oh, and then I ain't even say I Yeah, I would win about by 20. I'm gonna take that one. Um, I'm, I'm gonna take that one probably uh, 35 to um, 35, 35 to 17. I'm just not sold on Iowa State. I'm just until they show me something, I'm just not behind it. Um, a couple of other games I wanted to, you know, hit on. Upset alert, baby. You heard it here first on a drink of wisdom. UAB going down to Georgia. No JT Daniels. Um, I forgot the starting and right and guard name. Forgive me, Georgia fans. You ain't got him either. Your best pass catcher is your punt returner. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, it's looking a little iffy. And now listen, I would say this. Georgia defense is good enough to win them this game. But what I think is UAB's defense is decent enough to cause turnovers to give themselves the ball and control the time of possession in this game. Upset alert, I got UAB beating Georgia in Athens, or is it, I think it's in Athens um, by a field goal. I'm looking at this as another low scoring affair, all right? Um, but I'm going to take this probably 17-14 UAB. That's my upset alert. Um, another game um, I want to talk about, Texas and, Texas and Arkansas. I think people sleeping on this one because Arkansas ain't really been doing them stinking up the joint lately. But Sam Pittman got these guys playing confident football. And they, they might have the best cornerback in the nation. Um, God, I say all that and then I draw a blank on his name. But, but he's number one. He, he, he's the no, his number is number one for Arkansas. Um, this guy's good. He's going to lay the boom. And the thing about Texas is this. The best part of Texas is their running back, B. John Robinson. I do think Arkansas can clog up that, that, that line enough to slow him down. And they're going to make the Texas quarterback play some ball. I, and like I just said, they got one of the, they got probably the number one corner coming off the board this year in, in Arkansas. If not, he's definitely coming out of the board in the first round. Um, and I think that can give Texas a lot of problems. I think that game will be close, but I do have Texas winning. Um, that game, I, that, it, that game strikes me as a 45, 42 game because I'm not overly impressed with Texas uh, defense and I do think they're going to come in that sleepwalking Arkansas gonna catch them by surprise and this game is going to be a lot better than what the experts think and then last but not least let's talk about this unranked primetime ABC game the Michigan Wolverines versus the Washington Huskies that just lost to you said Yellowstone?
0: Yeah, that's what Ye- I'm saying. Yellowstone? Because it's Montana. <laughs> yeah. I guess, uh, lost I, guess, a- I guess Jim Harbaugh better win that one, huh?
1: Do you know in national parks, you can't even like do anything with none of the animals because they are protected under a certain like regulation and law?
0: And you just probably lost got- to a team. probably got to wear masks there, too, now.
1: Uh, why not? Michigan <laughs> need to wear a mask over their whole face. I'm about tired of, like, Jim Harbaugh. Listen, you've been living off your laurels there, Jim Harbaugh. But if you go out here and lose to the Washington, they need to fire him, like, during the season. I don't want him to know we're going to wait to the end. No, he don't win this game. He's never going to win a game that matters if he don't win this game. He got to go. I'm not, I'm not even a Michigan fan. You see what it is over here. But if he loses this game, he got to go. That's bar none. He's out of here. So I think that game is intriguing just because Washington has nothing to lose here. We don't give a rip about what Washington got going on anyway. It's This game is all about Michigan. All about Michigan. It's a primetime game because you're Michigan. It's a prime time game because Jim Harbaugh coaches Michigan. It's a prime time game because Michigan is located in the Big Ten Conference. None of this have anything to do with Washington. None of it. None whatsoever. If Michigan lose this game, Jim Harbaugh back, back your backs, you out of here, baby. All right, Jay, what you got? Oh,
0: my God. oh man. I'd say the uh, the Oregon Ohio State game. I'd say the the, the two touchdown spread is kind of eye opening. I mean, you think like best team in the Pac-12, best team in the Big Ten. Maybe Vegas will see that one's a little bit closer. I think you see it a little bit closer. I think the the thing I'm most interested in in that one because I've I've seen Ohio State. I saw Ohio State against Minnesota. You saw that one as well. Um, how does CJ Stroud look in his uh, in his second start? In the first start, there appeared to be some jitters. He says he said as much after that game, because the first half he was not very impressive. Second half, he was a lot better. Uh, so do we get a complete complete performance from him? And I think if you do, and he plays the entire game as he played in that second half, you know, I think I think I would believe that Ohio State will win the game and they'll, you know, they'll maybe they do win the game by multiple scores. Haven't seen Oregon yet, but Oregon struggled with Fresno straight in week one. So um, not the... Not the best omen as we move into week two, but you know we'll see. Uh, Iowa and Iowa State. Oh, not quite sure what to what to do with that, but maybe you own to something. Maybe this is uh, the year Kirk Ferentz, you know, come back into play. You know, he's got. Uh, I was just looking. I think he's got two New Year's Six bowls on his resume: a Rose Bowl back in uh, a Rose Bowl loss back in 2016, I believe it was, and then an Orange Bowl win back in 2009. So, um, you know, he's been in the you know, he's done a few things, but it do seem like more often than not, we're looking at the old eight and five thing that he does. So, but I mean, look, I thought it was impressive what they did to Indiana in week one, 34 to six. I mean, that's a statement victory. Um, so, you know, what do they do against Iowa State in week two, who Iowa State got the feel of like, they just play around too much early on in the season. Like that, like no, like what are you doing? Like, can you like get this team that you set up as being like the practice run and like run them off the field like you're supposed to? No, not really. So I mean, we'll we'll see. Like I mean, I think you you may be onto something there about Iowa just you know mop mopping, mopping the field with them, you know. So we'll see. I do say like, I think that Washington Michigan game that is all about Michigan. It is all about Jim Harbaugh. Um, Come on, khakis. We gotta we gotta start moving. This is Michigan. It feel like they just like slipping more and more after conversation. Cause you notice how when we talk about the Big Ten now, we're talking about Ohio State obviously, but then it's Wisconsin and Penn State. Then it's now it's Iowa. Iowa's in there. Uh, Minnesota that we be trying to slide them in there some. Um now Indiana. Indiana last year like Michigan's falling more and more by the wayside so i am gonna need them to get back in here i was just looking at their schedule when you look at college football schedules typically like games more than two weeks down the road they only have they be like tbds as far as the time michigan's last game of the year you know it's gonna be big noon because it's ohio state and michigan i don't i don't think i don't want to see michigan in like prime time or like big scenarios when every time we see michigan in a big scenario or a big game they stink. They they are not worth watching. So I really hope, and again, Washington after they what they did against Montana, I'll say the actual school name, that'd be disrespectful. But after what Washington did against Montana, th- there's no reason for like us to believe in anything they have going right now. So I think Michigan's got Michigan needs to come out there and win this game. The other one I'm interested in because Texas A&M, I think. Among teams that are kind of like, we kind of, at least at the start, we see them as playoff contenders. We saw pretty much all of them last week against somebody that kind of matters and then played Kent state, I believe. So this will be their first actual kind of like real game, so to speak, no disrespect Kent state, but they get Colorado on the road. So, um, you know, pac 12, I get it, but that's a, you know, that's a power five school. So how do they stack up? You know, what do they look like? Um, Jimbo Fisher had them just on the outside looking in the CFP last year. So I am somewhat interested in seeing how they look. All right, time to finish off the show. Wrap reactions, A lot of topics, a little bit of time. Take it away, drink
1: You know what time it is. Let's roll, baby. Rookie quarterback Matt Jones and Justin Fields have two of the top five high-selling jerseys since August
0: 1st, according to Fanatics. Does that surprise you, Jay? Of course it does. I mean, particularly when Justin Fields, he's not even going to start in week one, even though you, you know, put him in the, uh, in the promo for that game. But uh, yeah, you know, two guys that have no, uh, you know, regular season NFL snaps. Yes. It is somewhat surprising. Alabama football coach Nick Saleman lamented his team's lack of intensity on Wednesday as his team prepares to play Mercer. Do you believe his concerns are legitimate?
1: Absolutely. Here's the deal. Out of all the schools you heard about this last weekend, alabama was the only school where people was like oh yeah they, they was great they was midseason season form miami didn't stand a chance you can't even tell they lost that many players like everything they heard this weekend was how great miami is. i mean how great alabama is right then you roll in the next week with mercer you got to remember this these young guys on this team played an all sec schedule last year then some of these guys are not used to playing these shall we say cupcakes with the extra sprinkles. So, yes, he got to come out there. He got to, you know, raw it up. Make sure these guys understand you have to maintain intensity. You got to maintain the legitimacy every single week. You can't take a week off, man. And, you know, that's why I love the old ball coach. Keep it going. That's why you the GOAT. New York Yankee uh, shortstop Derek Jeter was inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame on Wednesday along with Larry Walker, Ted Simmons, and Marvin Miller. Any thoughts on that, Shrymon? I
0: think uh, Derek Jeter was like 99.7% of the ballot or whatever. Only one voter didn't vote for him. We still don't know who it is because they kept their ballot private. But Derek Jeter actually threw some shade at that right. It was like, shout out to everybody, you know, that voted me in, except for that one dude. I I just thought that was hilarious. Um, And that's it on that one. The the Los Angeles Lakers have traded center Marc Gasol To the memphis grizzlies along with a 2024 second round pick and cash considerations does that hurt the lakers at all or have they done enough up front to compensate
1: yeah i think they've done enough up front to compensate here's the deal marcus saw made it pretty clear he didn't want to come back so hey they worked it out where he don't even gotta leave spain we're gonna send you over to memphis we'll let memphis retire your number for all the great stuff you did with them um and then you know we get 10 we get to save 10 million dollars on the books where we can go and do something with that later on. So, now nah, I, I think this is good on all parties. I think all parties get what they want in, in this situation. In a YouTube live video with his father, Cam Noon said he was surprised to learn that, pa- that the Patriots were releasing him. He also said he was willing to stay on as a backup to rookie quarterback Mac Jones. Jay, your thoughts?
0: Ah. Interesting to hear his comments, first comments he made since he's been released. Um, I'm somewhat a little bit surprised that he's, you know, was willing to stay on as a backup, although I guess if that's your only chance to be on the roster, then maybe you take it. Um, but I think, um, you know, in the end, you know, we kind of felt this way for a while, you know, even going back to when he left Carolina, Cam Newton's just one of those like personalities and, you know, characters that it just seems like he's too big to be a backup. So I guess. You know, it'll be interesting to see if he, you know, gets another chance to, to start moving forward. Cowboys right tackle Lyle Collins has been suspended five games for violating the NFL's substance abuse policy. How do you see that impacting the Cowboys moving forward?
1: Greatly, greatly. Listen, here's the deal. we seen them last night, and I think me and you agree. The, the combination of him and Tyron Smith last night was pretty lethal. Um, they, they, they was doing some work. Them tackles was holding up against one of the best defensive lines in the league. Um, But five games, this is how you get the likes of like Eric Flowers coming in and then the dude across from him make a Pro Bowl team right in the next very game because he gets beat to sleep. Or this is how you get a Kansas City situation that they had in the Super Bowl because you got to just be bringing up people from the practice squad. I think this is going to impact them tremendously. Um, And listen, feel bad for a Collins even though you broke the rules so you got to pay the price. But... You know he was starting to come into his own. everybody remember this? This was a guy that was projected to be a, a first round pick. He goes out, gets in trouble. Then Jared Jones hit hit us, hit us with the clearance sale. Go and get him for the cheap scheme. You know he know he's in trouble. And then this guy kind of came into his own as a as an offensive lineman. But um, this is unacceptable. Uh, you, you got like I said the same thing I said about Cam Newton. You sign a contract. Do what you're supposed to do. Unacceptable. But hey, it is what it is. Trevor Bauer's season is over after baseball has elected to extend the administration leave of the Dodgers' right-handed starter through the regular season and the playoffs. Your reaction? Man,
0: yeah, they've been extending this scene. This this must be about the eighth extension that we've seen on this something we've been you know following here and there. Uh, well, listen, they they brought in Max Scherzer at the trade deadline. He's been doing a tremendous job. So now even though not having Trevor Bauer is, you know, it's a significant blow, but you still got Scherzer, you still got Clayton Kershaw, Walker Bueller, uh, Julio Urias. I mean, it's just, it's just an embarrassment of riches what the Dodgers have. So even though they don't have Bauer, they, I think they still at this point um, could be looked at as, as you know, the favorites come playoff time. The Ravens continue to suffer catastrophic injuries with running back Gus, Gus Edwards and cornerback Marcus Peters suffering torn ACLs on Thursday. They had already lost running back J.K. Dobbins and running, another running back Justice Hill for the season. Drink, will the Ravens be able to overcome these injuries and make the playoffs?
1: I like to think so. If it's a position where you kind of wanted this to happen, I mean, I don't think you want this to happen, but if you wanted it to happen, it's probably running back. Why do I say that? I do understand that the NFL lacks on top end running backs, but they got plenty of just running backs. So you could probably go find some guys, hey, what they they went out and got Latavius Murray, a guy that we have seen in the league for quite a while, do some things. They got a couple of guys on the roster. And listen, you got one of the best running quarterbacks in the business, folks. Um, so I, I think they will be all right. Will it be a little rough in the beginning? I think it, it will be, you know, Lamar Jackson been working with some of these guys for quite a while. However, I, I think they'll, they'll be able to get it done. Gonzaga's men's basketball coach Mark Fuel was cited for a DUI on Monday outside of a popular vacation spot in Idaho. That's right. I said Idaho. Anything you'd like to add about that, Jay?
0: Yeah, I spoke to a, a source close to this situation and you, you wouldn't believe what he had to say. He said, what he had to say? He said he had a few too many. Last one, outside linebacker <laughs> T.J. Watt and the Steelers have agreed to a four-year extension worth $112 million deal includes eighty million in guarantees and thirty and a thirty-five million dollars signing bonus. Drink. Where does Watt rank for you among NFL defensive players?
1: Oh well, he definitely top five, and his contract tell you that. Hey, he need to pay JJ his money back. But here's the deal. Like, I'm gonna tell you like this. Now, if he wasn't top five he year's now, you you become the highest paid play defense player in the league. Everybody target you. Is it is it fair? No. But that's just how the league is. So I'm telling you right now. You're going to have to play up to that contract. The good thing is this. Pittsburgh's defense is the real deal, folks. And he's part of that real deal package as far as that defense, goes. So we'll see. But we're going to expect more out of him now after this
0: signing. All right. That concludes tonight's Drink of Wisdom. As always, like, listen, share, subscribe. We appreciate it all. I'm Jay Wise.
1: And I'm Nathan drinking And remember, make tomorrow better than today. And make today better than yesterday. And you know what we're going to do. We're gonna holler at you until next time, baby! And ladies and gentlemen, this is a Drinker Wizard.